0: of the Never Let the World Speak show, episode 11. This episode is called Fight Back. I'm going to start today in Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is a great verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. There's a whole message right there. You can do an entire message on that one verse of scripture. Because we need to recognize the power of his might. The word power there means strength, and in brackets in the concordance it has absolutely, strength absolutely. The word might means dominion. So if you, if you translate that verse, you could, you, you could read that verse to say, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his dominion. Think about that for a second, the strength of his dominion. His dominion is absolute. God is sovereign over the entire universe creator, uh, omnipresent, all-powerful God. And I don't think enough Christians see him that way, really, really see him that way. Take a look at Psalm 2, verses 1 to 4. Why do the na- nations rage? This, this passage of Scripture is very, very pertinent to the time we're living in right now, today. Today. Why do the nations rage? Think about this in light of, you know, all the um, letter organizations that want to run your life. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. His anointed is Christ saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. See, God's not freaking out about the World World Economic Forum. God's not worried about anything that the UN is doing or the Great Reset or any of that stuff. And God already has a God has a plan for his people. His word, his word before there was before you ever heard the term great reset, his word showed you how to live through tough times. So, Cuz God isn't some timid wuss that you know is trying to figure out now what he's going to do about this. He knows everything. He knew everything that was going to happen. And his word His word covers everything. To the believer, you can find scripture that will cover everything in your life for you to attach your faith to. Which is what moves God. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. And without faith it's impossible to live for Him, frankly. So for us to go through some of the difficult times that we've been going through and that are coming, we have to to be more in God's word. And be listening to the preaching of God's word and Studying God's word and th- and then applying that by faith, by speaking God's word, by by listening to it, speaking it until we really, really believe it. Because that's what's gonna cause things to happen in your life that will that will get you through when everything's falling apart around you. Here's what I'm talking about. Psalm ninety one. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it shall not come near you. That's how a Christian should think. That's how we should believe when we're being attacked or when we're going through a tough time. There's loads of scripture that shows you that pestilence and plague does not have a place in the body of a Christian. God's given us promises that we have to lay hold of by faith. So what I'm talking about today with fighting back, I'm not talking about fighting against people. We're talking about fighting back against evil. And that is done by faith. Back to Ephesians 6, starting in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Because really that's what he's got. He's got schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. This is talking about a spiritual war against the other side. So principalities and powers is referring to like angelic beings. Either good or bad. Obviously bad in this case. And we call them demons. The Bible says Satan took a third of the angels with him when he was thrown out of heaven. Rulers of the darkness of this age, I I believe this is referring to the influence of the Antichrist spirit, uh, pulling the strings like of of the the darkness of this age. You know, the people that are pushing these globalist agendas and and trying to destroy the life of the common man, basically to make you to to put you into servitude. That is from hell, and that is. I mean it it it's part of bible prophecy and it's um it's not uh it's definitely not of god spiritual forces of wickedness the greek word means supernatural forces of wickedness or iniquity so we're talking about they're all spiritual elements they're all oppressive to people and in some way they're all based on influence and I mean if you don't believe in that kind of thing like I'd love for you to explain to me why people rape and murder children, or you know, some of, just some of the awful things that people do that are just you. You just think there's there's something wrong with that guy. It's not just a we're not just talking about mental illness or some kind of disorder. There's there's a spiritual root. Even like it, things like addictions, what addiction does to people, there's a spiritual root. That's why. That's one. Of, that's why. I, that's one of the reasons why I don't drink alcohol. Because, and I used to drink a lot of it. Um, but shortly after I got saved, I quit drinking alcohol, and I just knew that I should. I mean, I. I um. Pre- previous to to getting saved, I was drinking quite a lot, and I, and I knew I knew if I didn't quit drinking soon that I was going to have a hard time. I would maybe wouldn't be able to because I was drinking quite a lot, but. But but I saw that i I heard that preached, and I saw that um, what alcohol does to a person. the reason that you call hard alcohol spirits is because it is because that's what it opens you up to. it opens you up to a spiritual influence that causes people to do crazy things, and it's not just um, it's not just the Physical intoxication and the penetrating the brain blood barrier and all that stuff that makes you do wacko stuff when you're drunk. There's a spiritual element, there's a spiritual influence. And the reason people, part of addiction as well, part of addiction is spiritual because there's a spiritual, like, there's a mental, spiritual, emotional torment that goes on in people that are addicted to, to things, to substances and whatnot. But you can be addicted to all kinds of stuff, but, but it, from the substance abuse standpoint, it's not just the physical need of the body to have that thing, to have the drug or to have the, to have the drink. It's not just that. It's the mental uh, and emotional and spiritual turmoil that accompanies it is the reason that, it, that it's so difficult to overcome. And I've had addictions before. I've dealt with addiction before. I know what that's like. I didn't recognize it as a spiritual thing at the time, but I know that it is. Looking back on it and some of the study that I've done on that kind of thing, I know that there is a spiritual element there that I think is most often ignored when when you're treating people. Now, listen, I don't know really anything about treating addictions the physical side of addictions or the mental-emotional side, but I do know this. What I'm saying is that there is a spiritual element to that stuff, and that's why I, I avoid anything like alcohol or any kind of drug or anything like that, that that lessens my control over my own thoughts and actions because it opens you up to a spiritual problem. And drug and alcohol addiction is one of the, is one of the ways that demons get a foothold into people's lives. So, they're, they're all spiritual elements and they're all oppressive to people. And in some way, they all influence. They're all influence based. So, here's a couple of scriptures that show this Luke 10, 17 to 20. This is when the, the, Jesus had sent the 70 out with instructions. And they came home and they, they came back and they, they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So Jesus gave the 70 and then by extension, all who are in Christ now. You understand, the 70 weren't born again. The 70 didn't have the Holy Spirit. They were, they, were, they were authorized by Jesus to go and use his name. And that is what carried the power. Now we have the Holy Spirit resident inside of us. The Holy Spirit makes his tabernacle inside the spirit, in, in, the, in the inner man of the believer. So how much more should should we be able to do those same things? But the thing is you really you have to really believe it i mean they they these guys were traveling with Jesus and saw Jesus doing these things, and then Jesus said, "You can do these things too and so they had the belief and were confident that they could and they did. They used the name of Jesus, which is the name above every other name, and the demons were subject to them. Now there was some cases where they couldn't do it on their own. They encountered a stronger demon. And Jesus had to handle it himself. But by and large, they went out there and they set people free of demonic oppression. Because that's what our battle is against. It's those spiritual forces of wickedness. James 2, verse 19. This is talking about without, faith without works is dead. And James says, you believe... That there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. See, the the demons know who Jesus is. When he encountered, when he encountered people that were possessed by demons, they would yell out and say, "What do you have to do with us, Son of God?" And you know, or they would scream out, "You were the Son of God!" When he was casting them out, and he'd command them to be quiet. He sent out the legion into the pigs you know they asked they, they knew they were being sent out of course he knew, they knew they were being cast out and they so they asked if they could go to the pigs well, well so jesus didn't care about that he just did, he allowed them to do that and then they the pigs all ran off the cliff and died but the point is that that the, that the battle that we have to fight in this world is against spiritual forces People are going to rise up against what the Church of of Jesus Christ is doing and the people that are doing it. They're going to rise up against it. But really, there's a spiritual root behind that. There's a reason that people hate the Church for preaching righteousness and saying Jesus is the only way to God and things like that. But they have no problem with satanic things. And if you criticize that, you know, or moral issues, if you criticize those things, you're like, you're, you're, you become a huge target to be attacked. There's a reason for that. There's a spiritual root behind that. So Jesus walked in authority over the spiritual powers of wickedness, and he gave that authority to his church through the Holy Spirit. When he encountered the demon-possessed man, he commanded it to leave, and it did. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told his disciples, look, I've got to go. Because Jesus was the one walking around with the Holy Spirit, the only one on the whole earth. And he said, when I leave, then I can send him to you. And you can all walk around carrying the Holy Spirit. You can all have the power of God inside of you. John 14, verses 12 to 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, he was saying, you you know him because he dwells with you. He's in me while I'm with you, so you know him. But he will will dwell with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus was saying, when I go back to my father, after I accomplish my mission, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he he will dwell with you, and he will be in you. And he was saying, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you because the Holy Spirit is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. So we really got to get our heads around and our hearts around the fact that we have the Holy Spirit with us at all times. And this is the spirit of truth. This is the spirit of power. Acts 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. Romans 8 verse 10, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that was in Jesus when he was on the earth is now in every spirit-filled Christian. And we have to get a, a revelation of that as the church. Because we don't walk in it most of the time. You see the church, I mean, the church really showed its true colors during COVID. The North American church, most of the church, really showed how much they believe this word. Most Christians live an entirely defensive life. And by defensive, I mean like retreating. The goal seems to be not to to offend anybody or to have any kind of conflict. And that's not what Jesus said would happen. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation in this world. Difficult times will come. They, They hated me. They'll hate you. In this world, perilous times will come. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we're not supposed to be, you know, passive little pussy cats that that avoid trouble at any cost. This whole this whole idea that Christians are supposed to be these wimpy little people that, you know, we, we just love everybody. So that means we let you know we we don't ever confront anything or we don't ever you know if somebody wants to take something from us or if somebody wants to harm us or whatever we just let it happen because we love everybody man i it drives me nuts it drives me nuts the idea that we're supposed to walk why why then why do we have the holy spirit resident in us why do we have why do we have the great commission if we're supposed to walk around and be, just be a punching bag for the world. Why do we have the power of God in us then? I'm not talking about fighting against people. I'm talking about fighting against evil. I'm not talking about like if somebody does something to you that, if somebody steals something from you or somebody says something mean about you or whatever the case, you got to get retribution. I'm not talking about that. Jesus is pretty clear that we're not supposed to live that way. But we're, not, we're also not supposed to live a completely passive life in the effort of not ever offending anyone. We can't make a millennial-friendly gospel or like a 2022 updated version of the gospel that is sensitive to the needs of the whatever community, fill in the blank, I don't care. doesn't make a difference to me. We can't do that. The gospel is the gospel. And the Bible says, woe to him who adds to or takes away from the words of this book. We have to respect the word of God, and we have to, like, especially if you're a minister, you have to respect the word of God enough to preach it like it is. You have to respect the word of God enough to preach what it's saying stut to study it out to know what it's saying, understand what it's saying and then to preach that to the people. This whole this whole version of Christianity that's going on in the North American church for the for the most part is I mean, it, ministers are going to be accountable to God for what they preach. And it's like it's not you're not doing anybody any good if you're a minister and you're preaching them that you're preaching this the grace message, the the hyper grace, whatever they call it, message that that basically it's like sin should be accepted and and it doesn't matter what you do basically. Like that's not that's not the gospel. That's not the truth. If that's the case, then why did Jesus have to come? You're, ta- you're saying you're saying that ministers are saying that. Because Jesus came, now sin is, you know, not a big deal. Well, yeah, it is. It's an even bigger deal because Jesus came and paid for it and shed his blood for it. So, yeah, it is a big deal. Now, you can repent. You get saved. You re- there's, no, there's no salvation without repentance. So when you repent and you get born again, then all your past sin is forgiven. But you're called to live a holy life. I've always looked at it as living a... I, wanted, I want to live a holy life. And not, look, I'm, I ain't perfect. There's no way I'm holy without, without God. But I want to live a holy life out of gratitude to the Lord for what He's done for me. Just out of gratitude. I'm not following rules. I'm saying I don't want anything between me and Him. I'm saying I don't want... I don't want to give any place to the devil... And the way that people are being taught these days is just, it's, it's, it's encouraging a passive Christianity. And God, the Word of God calls us to a life of holiness. Be holy for I am holy. To a life of holiness. Not perfection and not better than anybody else. No. A life of holiness is only achievable in a believer because we've become the righteousness of God in Christ. So it's just, as, it's, it's just as bad to look down your nose at, at other people like the Pharisees did and say that you're better than them. That's, that's ungodly. That's wrong. But a life of holiness is possible because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And the Word of God says that we've been set free from the law of sin and death. We've been made alive to God. We are a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things become new, have become new. So we need to know who we are in Christ, and we need to believe who we are in Christ. I get it. I understand that it's difficult for me to look at myself or to speak of myself as being holy, but I'm but understand, I'm only holy, I understand, I'm only holy because Christ made me holy. He was, he was the sacrifice for me so that I could be holy. So now my effort, my effort in myself is to not sin because I want to live the life that he called me to. Now, all when I got saved, all of my past sin was forgiven in a second. But now, as a Christian, if and when I sin, I need to and can repent. Without repentance, there's no salvation. God will forgive any sin that's repented of. Like that people, if if you repent of a sin, it's forgiven. If you refuse to repent of a sin, God, God's not. God's not going to force you to repent, and God can't, re- re- uh, God can't forgive a sin that you haven't repented from. But He's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's not really what I'm talking about today, but that just came out of me, so there it was. Back to Ephesians six, verses thirteen to seventeen. How are we gonna? How are we gonna? fight back how are we going to fight back against life the things of life that come against you the attacks that come against your mind the attacks that come against your body the attacks that come against your family the attacks that come against your business and your and your your money and and you know the the bills you can't pay and all that stuff how are we how do you how are you going to fight back against that if what I just said, that you're fighting against, or at the beginning, that you're fighting, what you're fighting against is not flesh and blood, but it's all these spiritual forces. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking up the shield of faith, which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, standing against is not a retreating posture. It's kind of a defensive posture, but it's defending. It's like, I look at it as like when uh, an opposing army is coming to siege your, your town. It's defensive, yes. But it's also offensive. It's aggressive. It's not, it's, so it's both, but it's not retreating. See, basically everything the devil does to people is designed to get them to not move forward. It's designed to get you to stop following God, to stop serving God, to stop stop worshipping God, stop, you know, serving him. Think about it. I mean, the, the attacks that come on your mind, the thoughts that you have to wrestle with every day. Just think about it and be honest with yourself. The thoughts that you have to fight against every day. And a lot of times, you know, we don't really fight against them a lot of times we just let them roll around in there and, and then you know you're thinking now that now that it's got now that it's on your mind you're thinking that's all you can think about you can't let it go but we don't actually take an offensive posture against it you just sort of let it happen and just let it and it just makes you just want to get back in bed it makes you it de- makes you depressed it makes you afraid whatever you're afraid of you just meditate on it and like you just you just roll it around inside of you instead of attacking it. That's what it's designed to do. What it's designed to do is to get you to sit back down, not make any noise for God, and, and not walk in your destiny as a believer. We have the shield of faith and the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Our offensive weapon is to speak the word of God against the attacks of the enemy. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy, everything that, that is being thrown at you. And if you listen to much preaching about this, you'll, you inevitably have heard the preaching on it, which is true, that says, I mean, all of this armor is to protect you in the front. It's not to protect you when you're running away. It's to, this is armor. This is armor for battle. The reason you have this is because you are going to fight. We're not supposed to be passive people that sit and don't do anything. We're not supposed to be passive people that will do, will, you're not a chameleon that's going to change into whatever your surroundings are. You're not supposed to be that way as a Christian. You're supposed to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We have the shield of faith and the word of God. The helmet of salvation protects your mind. I mean, so your salvation, uh, to understand what is what comes with your salvation, there's a great thing to study for, like, the rest of your life. Because not, it's not just... Salvation from hell and eternal damnation. You're saved from every attack against your mind because Jesus came to give you his peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And that's referring to anxiety and mental anguish and emotional things. Your healing has been paid for. Yes, your eternal redemption so that you will have eternal life. As a spiritual being, you will live forever in the very presence of God. But you also have been set free from the power of sin and death. There's a a heck of a lot in there. Look around you when you're outside. Just turn on your TV. Sin and death is everywhere you look and how the devil uses that is he's, he makes it he celebrates it he he causes people to celebrate it it's celebrated it's cool it's it's attractive and you know like that's the old story of the you know the forbidden fruit or the you know the thing that you can't have makes it more attractive that's the devil anything god ever told you that you shouldn't have it's because it's going to kill you, basically it's going to hurt you, and if you trust God enough, then really we should be able to, we should be in a in a posture in a heart posture with God that He could tell us anything we have or do or enjoy or is in our life needs to go and and we drop it. The way Abraham was told to go to a land, I'll show you. Leave your father and mother, go to your land, I'll show you. He did that because Abraham's father was an idol maker, and he lived in a sinful, wicked place. It's one of the reasons God did that. God wanted Abraham to walk into his destiny. But if Abraham would have stayed there forever, maybe he just becomes one of those, he's not, maybe he's not righteous anymore, just becomes one of those idol worshippers. Jesus told us how we, could, how we could tell where things come from. Jesus said, I've come to, bring, to give you peace. My peace I give to you. Jesus said, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Okay, so if it steals, kills, or destroys, we need to go to war against it with the armor of God until we get what Jesus promised us. We're not going to be able to help other people that are under the oppression of the devil if we're also living under the oppression of the devil. The difference is that we've been set free from that. We need to, we need to agree with that. We need to agree that God has set us free and that he's given us he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. It's not that the enemy doesn't have any power, but the name of Jesus is the most powerful name that has ever existed. There's so much authority behind the name of Jesus and behind the word and behind the word of God that the devil has to has to submit to it. Every knee will bow and every and every tongue will confess Satan's biggest weapon against all people is fear and doubt. I've said before de- the devil knows the devil would love to kill everybody because he he hates anybody that he hates anybody that has what he lost or can have what he lost. But I've said it before: the devil knows that if he can just keep people under the oppression of these of the spiritual wickedness of of his demons and the spirit of the age that if he can just keep them under that subservient to it until they die then he gets them. That's like terrifying to me. Not for myself but for people in my life and and just people out there in the street I see, people that are, I see people sleeping on the street more and more and more all the time now thanks to the uh, thanks to the uh, people in the suits the people in the suits that pretend to be important and their, and their policies the things that they're doing to people but it was all done through fear Fear is extraordinarily powerful. But faith is more powerful than fear. The the issue with it, though, is that faith faith requires an effort. It requires a person to rise above fear by the revelation of the Word of God. Because faith real faith that has, that has power with it, it requires a revelation of the Word of God. And you can't really be in faith and in fear at the same time. See, fear is, e- fear is easy. Fear is automatic. It's, there's, you, you instinctually go into fear because the devil has used the instincts that God gave us to his advantage. You instinctually go into fear. Think about what happens when you hear that uh well, think about COVID, okay. Think about COVID for a second. Think about what happens when you hear when you heard the new numbers for the day or whatever, or for the week during the heat of it, and the numbers like doubled, you know? And when you heard all of that ridiculous modeling that that they were telling us that you know, millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people are gonna die and and all that stuff in in our our little province of one point one million people where I live. And hundreds of thousands are gonna die. Instinctually you feel fear. You don't instinctually feel faith. I mean I think a person can get there, but I think it requires it requires a total immersion in the Word of God. I fight fear every day. I deal with it all the time, just like you do. I mean, if you're honest, you'd have to say you deal with fear on a pretty regular basis in some, some form or another, whether it's just thoughts, right? Thoughts that come to you and it's like, oh man, what if that, wow, what if that happens? Or, I hope this doesn't happen or whatever and you have to you have to fight against that. You can't let that linger. I've heard it said you can't go to sleep, you know, you can't go to sleep with a cobra in your bed. You see a snake, you see a you see a snake come into your bed and you're you're going to turn on some lights and, and do what you got to do. You're not just going go to go to go back to sleep. If the building's on fire, you don't go to sleep. You fight it. You fight it with the word of God. You fight it by using your revelation of the word of God. And if you don't have enough revelation of the word of God, you do a very simple thing called Google. And Google scriptures about fear and then you learn those scriptures and you and you meditate on them you repeat them you speak them you have to speak the word of god that's using your faith using your faith requires speaking and it becomes revelation to you it takes some time there's some effort involved but i'm telling you that when when you get to the place of understanding who you are in christ even to a, even to a small degree and using your faith you're going to when you go through stuff and attacks come you're going to have a weapon to fight against them number one but you're going to be able to get yourself into the place of internal like stability where you're solid and yeah the thing is still happening and I'm still fighting against it but I'm solid I have peace inside me I know God's got God's got me I pray you know I pray I pray and I ask God to help me deal with get rid of whatever the thing I speak the word of God but you can't we can't ask God for something and then you know keep asking him for the same thing every every 30 minutes or every morning what we have to do is we have to ask God for it and we have to say to God God you said in your word that I'd be the head, not the tail. You said in your word that you'd provide all my needs. You said, Or you said in your word that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. I take hold of that. It belongs to me because Jesus paid for it. And so I take hold of it and I and I speak healing over my body right now. I command the sickness to leave. And then what you do is, and then what you do in working your faith is you continue to speak to the sickness. Jesus spoke to the, to the fig tree. Jesus spoke to the demons. Jesus spoke against... He didn't, he didn't sit and pray to the Father to cast out the demon. He spoke to the demon in the authority of his own name. And that's what we need to do in the authority of his name by using our faith. We need to speak... Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain, it'll be removed and be cast into the sea, and you'll have whatever you say if you don't doubt in your heart. So you, our job is to take up the whole armor of God. Hold up the shield of faith. I believe God. I believe God's word. Everything that he said it belongs to me, belongs to me in my salvation because of Christ. And then you speak the word of God using the sword of the spirit to cut that thing to pieces. And you don't quit. See, you if you, if you ask God to do something for you, if you ask God to take care of a situation... We need to we need to have scripture that says it belongs to us, and we need to get that scripture right down into your guts. And then we need to thank God every day that that thing is handled. Not asking not asking him over and over and over again, asking him once, speaking his word, and thanking him every day that it's handled. That's how we get through things. That's how we use our faith and use the sword of the spirit. Holding up the shield of faith is a daily thing. we got to get it up there every day. Because there's stuff that comes. Sometimes it's just once in a while, oh yeah, okay, a fiery dart comes at me. Whether it be through a person, something somebody said or did, or whether it just be through thoughts, whether it be through your emotions of fear, anxiety, whatever. Okay, hold it up and swing the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the spirit is the only one that's, that's going to do damage to anything. Everything else is protective for you. The sword of the spirit is the only instrument that's going to that's take anything else down. That's going to deal with an opponent. All the schemes of the devil... You can stand against all the schemes of the devil, and you can overcome all the schemes of the devil with the whole armor of God and faith to move mountains. Satan's biggest weapon is fear and doubt. He's already been defeated, so he can't defeat us. He needs to talk us into defeating ourselves, And that's what he does. He can't make Christians powerless. But he, he convinces Christians to not stand in their power of the Holy Spirit. He convinces, he convinces people to just sit back down. Don't make any noise. Don't, you know, don't, don't draw attention to yourself. Stay under the radar so the devil doesn't find you. It's garbage. If we understood the power that resides within us, and I'm preaching to myself just like anybody else, that's the reason, that, that's what, I only talk about what, what is on my heart. And half the time it's, it's really, I'm preaching to myself because I'm dealing with stuff. I'm dealing with things, I'm dealing with attacks right now. And I'm using my faith against that, those attacks. And I'm going to overcome them. And then I'll have a testimony, which is the time when you actually talk about it. But we have to understand who we are in Christ. I could say it all day. Who we are in Christ. We have to stop looking at our own At our own ability or our own power to do anything. Because on my own, I'm a sitting duck. But in Christ, I'm a new creation. And in Christ, I'm a warrior suited with the whole armor of God that has power, authority over all the power of the enemy. As Christians we have been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Seated together with him. We're not we're not broken little people. You have to let go you're a new creation you have to let go of the old. You have to let go of the ways of thinking from the old life. And learn the ways of thinking of the new life by renewing your mind in the word of God. Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. All of it. In in his name. So we need to use it. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. If you like the show, please share and follow so you get future episodes as soon as they come out. Until next time, walk calmly before your God and never let the world speak.